Uh, would you please put up uh, Ecclesiastes, please? Twelfth chapter, verse one. Okay, remember. <clears throat> You may well know that I have been talking about what I believe all of us were born for. You know, Samuel Clemens, better known for Mark Twain, I understand was a professed atheist. But he would say some things that were profoundly true. And uh, he made this quote. I'm quoting him. The two greatest days of your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why. The reason you were born. And so I believe that one of the reasons we think, and, and listen, God may have a uh, task for you to do that might outweigh your entire life otherwise. And I'll talk some more about that in a minute. But the truth of the matter is, is I believe that until you get this one truth down, you won't be able to find the purpose of God. And one of my favorite verses, you're going to hear it again and again and again, is 2 Timothy 1.9, which says God has called us, has saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His purpose and grace which was given to us before the world was created, before the world began. But that's hard to wrap your mind around. But God has saved you and called you before the world was created. And not with according to your works, thank God, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began. And so God's purpose for your life was given to you before the world began. And so, you know, we, we think of a purpose, we think of a vision. You know, now when I say vision, I'm not talking about seeing a man say, come here, although that's, that's a, probably a pretty good illustration. But the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Uh, Amplified Bible and some other Bibles say where there is no progressive vision. That means continuing vision. The people perish. I once designed a sermon to say, what do you want? Do you want to flourish or perish? It's up. It's your choice. You know, do you want God in your life or not? But every one of us was born with a purpose. Every one of us, God has a plan for your life. 
The thing is, that purpose is birthed out of another purpose. You know, the other purpose is a progressive purpose, but everything that God has called you to do goes back to one thing which Jesus said. And he said it on Palm Sunday, a week before he was going to be crucified. He says, they ask him, what's the first of all commandments? This is the love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And so that's the first commandment. He says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That is why you were born. You were born to love God with all your heart. When he says the second is like, what Jesus is saying is, you can't do the second one until you do the first one. I mean, it's not only like it, but it's like it because it says, you know, it comes... The, uh, following the first one. And so God created us to love him with all our hearts, with all our mind, body, soul, and spirit. And, uh, you know, I have a friend at Teen Challenge who has been here uh, three or four times, maybe more. And uh, if you remember, how many of you remember Chuck Smith? Chuck Smith once made the announcement that his favorite Christian artist was uh, Ron Perry. And Ron Perry was a friend of mine who, who he did get saved before he came to Teen Challenge, but he, it was shortly before he came to Teen Challenge. He got saved in a jail cell. cell. He was thrown into a jail by policemen, he was tripping on acid at the time, LSD, and hallucinating. He thought that he was being thrown into hell. And he thought the, the jailmen were demons. And he cried out to God, and he got saved. He confessed Jesus as his Lord. And he came to Teen Challenge afterwards, and I met him just a short time after this experience happened to him. One of the most talented men with a guitar and, and could sing quite well as, as well, but his guitar was something else. I remember Eddie Duncan, our chaplain at Teen Challenge, also played the guitar and, and sung, but he used to say that Ron Perry makes better sound when he tunes his guitar. One of the things Ron Perry could do is tune it while he was playing. Now, of course, a lot of guitar, guitar, guitar players do that. But he was something, and he wrote a lot of songs. And he wrote a song about how we were created to worship and to love God. And in one of the verses, as you can't sweep a room with a guitar. You know, that's what uh, brooms are for. And, you know, that, that was so true. The world is trying to sweep rooms with guitars. Mow, mow, mow lawns with refrigerators. That's a tough one. 
You say, that's, you know, is that extreme? Oh boy, I guess it's extreme, but it's extreme what the world is doing. It's extreme. You were born to love God. You were created to love God. And so many people are going in a totally different, serving themselves, you know, become fools. That's what the scriptures say. And you can't sweep a room with guitar. I, li- I one of my comparisons is I like when the Beverly Hillbillies uh, moved into this mansion and they found the what they called the billiard room, you know, and they thought that was a dining room table, and uh, they thought the billiard was the rhinoceros that was hanging on the wall. They said that must be a billiard. So they sat and ate at a billiard table. And they used the bridges to pass things. They thought those were, you know, sticks, the cues and stuff was to pass things around to each other while they were sitting at this. They couldn't figure out why the table was made so big, you know, and uh, they realized that it would catch the spills because it had that lip on the side. But, you know, and we laugh at them. And that was a big laugh. I was talking to Lance the other day, and he told me the story of the the the, the uh, hillbillies that went into a fancy hotel for the first time, and they're looking around, looking around, and the elevator opens up, and this this little old lady that's crack, crackling and old and you know and hunched over goes into the elevator, and the doors close. A minute later, the door is open and this beautiful woman walks out. And he looks over at his children and says, go get your mother. Because <laughs> she thinks, he thinks, it's, she's going to go in there and come out something else. You know. And that's, we laugh at something like that. It's a joke, probably didn't happen, but it's like... That's we live our lives like that. We live our lives. And so I've been thinking about this. Love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. And part of that, part of that of loving the Lord with your mind. Now, sometimes the word soul is used as a translation for spirit. Sometimes it's. The Greek word, translated from the Greek word, most of the time in the New Testament, it's translated from the Greek word suke. Suke. And the soul is what uh, is in your mind. It's your intellect, your uh, emotions, and your will is housed in your soul. And if you remember when God made Adam... A, 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 a living body, he breathed into him the breath of life. Now, the word spirit in the New Testament means breath. It is actually the Greek word pneuma, which we get our words such as pneumonia from it, or pneumatic wrench, means air, only it's breath. 
God breathed in him. And he says, God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. So what happened is the spirit came into Adam and he suddenly was able, the, the origin of everything, the, 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 the purpose of that was God created Adam, breathed into him the breath of life, and the soul was created so that it could live in a time-space world. Adam could live in a time, but he was living by the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit was ruling his body through the soul. The soul is what was used to contact the physical realm. The mind, the will, and the, uh, the intellect, the, the, the emotions, mind, will, and emotions. And so uh, we are supposed to love God with our soul, not just our spirit. We're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. But here's, here's the rub, okay? See, God breathed into Adam, creating the soul to contact the world. And Adam was supposed to be a spiritual man, but operating in the physical realm through the soul. But see, when Adam sinned, his spirit was cut off from God. You know, once once there was this, um, in a classroom, this professor, it's one of those things you can Google and find out. But there was this professor who says, uh, there is no such thing as good and evil. You know, and uh, this guy in the class raised his hand and he says, I, I suppose you're right. Uh, no, first he says, is there such thing as uh, darkness? And he says, no, there's just light. Darkness is only the absence of light. And then he says, that's true. He says, is there any such thing as cold? No, cold is merely the absence of heat. And then this young man says, you're right. Good, uh, evil is just the absence of good. You know who that was? That was Einstein said that to the professor. You know, he says, there is such a thing as good and evil. Only evil is the absence of good. And there is such a thing as darkness. It's the absence of light. And there is such a thing as uh, as light and darkness and cold. It's the absence of heat. And he says, in the... There is such a thing as evil. It's the absence of good. So what happened with Adam is the Spirit of God came into him. He became a living soul. But when he did what the devil, obeyed the devil, the Spirit died. Now, what we think of died is non-existence. But it means, in, in God's terms... Death means being without God. So he was cut off from God. Now what happens is now man becomes a soul man. A soulish, a fleshly man. 
He became carnal. He was suddenly having to live by the means of his soul and not his spirit. So he was no longer a spirit man being led by the spirit through the soul. And this is what happens when you get born again, you get restored to the spirit. The spirit is renewed, is connected to God again. The problem is you still got that old soul. See, you still got the old mind, the old emotions, the old will, which has to be renewed. And that's why it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this holy purpose of God. Now, if you read this, I read, if you read in the book of Galatians, you find out that Paul says something really very interesting. He says, the law was a schoolmaster leading us, meaning people or Israel, to grace. And so the law was not able to give them grace. That's why, if you read Hebrews 11, you'll find out even the patrons of old, they weren't saved by keeping the law. They were saved by believing God, by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of keeping the law, lest any man should boast that he keeps and saves himself. And so what happens is, is you get born again, your spirit is new, but your mind and your will and your emotions are not. So you be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what's important about this is that God has called every person. If they were before Christ, what they did was leading up to Christ, what God did in their lives. It says God has called every person to love him with all their hearts, with all their mind, will and emotions and strength and everything. The only problem is they couldn't do it through the law because the law was only a schoolmaster that was leading them to Christ and faith. So they couldn't be saved before Christ. Now, they could be saved by faith looking forward to the grace of Christ. But they were saved when, when, when Christ came. We are saved. We are, filled, we are born again by the, by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, when we confess Jesus is our Lord and believe in God has raised him from the dead. All right, now, by God doing that, he has set us foot on a path that he has now enabled us with his Spirit, like he had enabled Adam in the beginning, when he breathed in him the breath of life, he has enabled us to love him with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Before, you really couldn't do it. That's what it says in in, uh, Galatians. You couldn't do it. But now we can. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And we can love him with all our hearts. And we can love him with our mind. We might need some renewing there, but we can love him with our intellect. We can love him with our uh, emotions. 
We can love Him with our will. We can choose to love Him. Because God had, Jesus bought us back from the devil so that we can love God. The purpose of God in your life is to love Him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And one of those things is with your thoughts. You can love God with your thoughts. You know? And this is what it says. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. While the evil days come not. You know, you know what that means? When you start getting old. Yeah, when you start getting old. I have a different take on this now. And I'll share it with you in a minute if I remember. I know you didn't get that one. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw near, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Uh, We don't have, do we have anybody in this room that said that? Aha, I see that hand. (laughs) I'm like, there's a, I, I'm going to get in trouble with this one, but listen, Chad Bildanza talked me into watching something that I would never have watched otherwise. And by the way, I liked it quite, quite a bit, a movie. And he talked me into do it. And the reason I didn't want to watch it is because it starred Madonna. And Madonna isn't my favorite, you know, leading, um, Whatever. <laughs> so I watched it. It was a Vita. It was about a Vita down in Argentina. And uh, it was about her story. Al, Al Baldanza says, <laughs> I'm dating you now, Al. He says, that's not the way it really happened. <laughs> he remembers. <laughs> but it was a Vita. And I... Uh, She's a young person. She died around before 30. And she did do a lot for Argentina, according to history. But she also pocketed a great deal of money, you know, at the same time. She was the Perón's wife, which Perón was the president of Argentina. And she started by becoming, she was a prostitute, then she became an actress, and then she got... uh, uh, became involved with Perón and got married and he became president. There's, a, there's one line, there's a couple of lines in that. She's in Italy, and while she's in Italy, she's touring with this admiral, and they're screaming at her that she's a whore. And she says, imagine that. They are calling me a whore. And the admiral says, well... They call, they call me Admiral, even though I haven't see, seen the sea for a long time. <laughs> Good line, huh? Sorry, Lord, I threw that in. But she's, she's sick and she's dying and she can hardly get up. And that's when she goes, and for you guys that know the... It's actually an opera, not a musical, because they sing the whole thing, you know. And she goes into the balcony and she sings that famous song... Don't cry for me, Argentina. 
The truth is I never left you all through your wild days, you know. And so uh, she's dying on her bed and she says to Peron and to God, what's the, she wants, she wants to do more. And she says, what's the use of a perfect heart? Not that she had one, but what's the use of a perfect heart in a body that's falling apart? My brother died of cancer, and uh, I thought he was kind of old at the time, but he was a very young man at the time. But he had five children, maybe four, four children. (laughs) Four. And um, he was with his youngest daughter. Her name is Angela Page, and they were riding, and she was driving, and he was in a car. And uh, all of a sudden, by the way, Angela Page is a, a, one of our full gospel charismatic believers in, in Texas. And uh, Angela is driving the car, and all of a sudden, he knows he's going to die. You know, he just had that. Uh, now, my brother was a believer. And uh, so he's, he's in the car and he realizes he's going to die. And what happens, he goes into a coma and he's in a coma for about a week. All right. But he's going into the coma and he knows it's going to happen. And he begins to say, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, God, not yet. I, I have so much more I want to do first. And this, this is something that Angela told me, Paige told me. You know, when I visited Lois Judd in the hospital with two days left uh, before she died, uh, I did not know this. Steve Judd, her son, told me this. But I'm telling, I, I told Lois, and she'd been suffering, and I said, Lois, it's okay to let go because God is waiting for for you. Jesus is waiting for you. And she says, not yet. Or actually what she said, not yet. (laughs) Oh, okay. I said, bless God, I'll believe with you then if it's not yet. And what Steve had told me is he, she had told him reason that she, I'm sure she would have told me, but there were two people working on her at the time. And, you know, there's a lot of commotion in the room and I'm sure she would have told me, but her birthday was going to be two days later. It was, she'd be 90 years old. And she didn't want, she wanted to die on her birthday. You know, and just something she wanted to do. And she did. And she died. And God said, okay, I'm not yet. Okay, God says, okay, I'll back off, you know, two more days. Not yet. My brother says, not yet. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. And you know, uh, one thing about being born again, uh, as opposed to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes was written, and you got to understand this to really appreciate it, but it's truth, but it's truth under the sun. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and he refers to this, the wisdom under the sun, which meant it was a worldly 
of the of the world wisdom it was true wisdom it wasn't ungodly but it was wisdom apart from above the sun do you understand what that means and that's why you will find a lot of things in ecclesiastes which is beautiful stuff but you will find that there is a higher wisdom a higher uh, plane of faith but this one it says remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth Why did I say that? It's because, see, it isn't the days of my youth anymore, and I can still remember my Creator. You know, because you know what? It doesn't take a healthy body to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, strength. As a matter of fact, I tend to think that I've been loving, um, I'm loving God right now more than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I'm just loving him. And one of the ways I'm loving him is remembering him in my creator, remembering all the wonderful things God has done for me. Now, there's another thing you might remember that I was preaching a son and was talking about how there is another way of praising God, which we have, I think, fallen away from somewhat. And that is worshiping God, not for what he's done, but for who he is. Now, you can't separate what a person has done from whom they are, you know, but you can separate uh who they are from what they've done. In other words, you can say God is worthy to be praised and worshiped and honored and adored, whether he does anything for us or not. He's worthy of our praise. And so we praise him. Now, he's done a lot for, you know, I, I used to, well, let me just praise him. Just if you just think about it, you know, just doesn't do the right word, except if you're, unless you're using it as the word just. But if just if you just think about what God did for us when he gave his son to die for us, if, if that alone, you could thank him for that for the rest of your life. But you can thank him for who he is. But you see, you can't separate who he is and what he's done because he gave his son because he loved us. You see. But you can love God for who he is. And that's part of loving him with all your heart, with all your mind, will, and emotions. But also you love him for what he's done. And you love him because what he's done shows who he is. And who he is is he gave his son to die for it. But you know what he said? Everything in your life, this is more like a Thanksgiving service than anything else. Everything that's good in your life that has happened, it says this, God who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So everything that we have of life came through Christ. Through him freely give us all things. You know, I was, rem- <laughs> I was remembering the scripture with Dr. B when he says, you want to look in the Right. First of all, the truth of that also comes from the truth that, and this is a Bible, 
you got to hold think this is a Bible. That the Word of God is a mirror. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that when we look at God through Christ, we behold God as in a mirror. Now here's the thing about mirrors. Mirrors reflect who you are and they will show, they can show all the defects. But see what Dr. B was prophesying about was when Christ comes into your life, you look at the mirror. If you look in the word of God, you see all the defects. You start studying the word of God. Remember now thy creator. How many of you do that? You know, I do sometimes, sometimes I don't, you know. Remember now thy creator in the days of year. So the word of God shows you what's what's off kilter. But then it shows you who you are in Christ. And so when you look in the mirror, you can see what Christ has done for you. You can see who you are because you are the reflection of Christ. It doesn't matter what your physical body looks like. You are in Christ. And so when God looks at you, he sees Christ because of what Christ has done. So we thank God. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. But things go. Let's go on. While the days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Next verse. While the sun and the light or the moon or the stars be darkened. That doesn't mean when they actually be darkened. It's just that they're darker to you. Because they don't look as bright as they used to. Nor the clouds return after the rain. You know, what's really there, it says, it talks about the clouds returning after the rain. It's like the clouds never go even after the rain. You know. In the day when thou keepers, and I had a, had a, met, more, a met, more metaphor thing there, uh, but I don't want to say it. In the day when the keepers of thy house shall tremble. tremble. You know who the keepers of your house? Your hands, your arms, your, your, your you know, I don't, I, I, I see things, I do things that I didn't do when, you know, I was younger. You know, like I knock over a lot of things. You know, you know why? It's like my body tells me that from there to there, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So where I would used to go and go around that thing, I just go through it, you know. Or get as close to it as I can, which usually means I hit it. And I catch it, you know. And the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble and a strong man shall bow themselves. In other words, the strong man of your ability shall bow. Okay. And the grinders cease because they are few. The teeth are, you know, falling. Uh, have you ever heard Dennis Swanberg? He's a Christian who was, he was a Baptist uh, pastor and he became a Christian comedian because he, he does about 30, 40, 50 imp- imperson- impressions, impersonations, you know, and he does them really well. He's as good as any of those great ones, you know. And so, but he does Christian Bible stories and so he would do how he had a dream about he was Moses 
Only instead of being Charlton Heston, he was Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's the one that starred in that, uh, one of the most favorite of Christmas stories. Uh, what is that? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. And so, so he, he does Jimmy Stewart as Moses. And if you don't know Jimmy Stewart, you probably won't appreciate this. And if you do know Jimmy Stewart, you probably won't appreciate it either. But Jimmy Stewart would talk like, well, uh, uh, now, let him go. Just, just, just let him go. You know, you can, oh, never mind. When the days are, and he, you know, he, he told the story, he says, well, my, 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 my teeth fit me real, real good, and my bifocals work just fine, but oh, how I miss my mind, you know. <laughs> When you get old. So it says that's a, the strong man, the grinders are gone, uh, and uh, those that look out the windows be darkened. You know, your eyesight goes. Next verse, let's move on. And the doors shall be shut in the streets. <laughs> that's not talking about, talking about other streets. The streets of your body. When the sound of the grinding is low, he shall rise up the voice of the bird. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, there's so many metaphors here and possibilities. It's just, I hope you're getting them without me going into any of them. Also, when thou shalt be afraid of that which is high. Do you know what that is talking about? Do you know what is high? Do you know what's high? The sky. You know when it's higher? When you're six foot under. The sky is a lot higher when you're in the grave. All right? And that's what it's talking about. But thou shalt be afraid of which is high, of dying. And fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden. You know, it's talking about how things are going on above you, but you're not enjoying them, you know? And it says, and the desire shall fall, fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Am I right? He's died. He's dead, right? Praise God. Remember God now while you alive. When he says, when, before you get old, before you die. And when they shall be afraid, that which is, I just read that one. Next verse. Or ever the silver cord is loosed and the golden bowl is broken and the pitcher be broken at the fountain and the wheel broken at the cistern. All right, now go to, be ready when I tell you to put up Hebrews 6, verse 10, and I'll end with this. You know, one thing about God, God loves you uh, more than you can love him. Now we're supposed to love him with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and spirit. But you know, we can never love him because we are in, unable to take away the sins of God. But God gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for him. And so it says in, in, in uh, 1 John 4, it says that we, Paul, John says, we have known and believed in the love that God has for us. So, you know, God loves us. 
And what God wants from us to start with is believe that he loves us. But no man ever loves God first. You cannot love God more than he loves you. And that's not just the fact that he gave his son. But let's listen to this verse and we'll stop with this one. You can't go any place anyway because the streets are blocked off. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, Hebrews 6, t- verse 10. 6, 6, verse 10, not 10, verse 6. Wait a minute, this might be a better one. I could get, you, you, you shouldn't show that verse to me. I can get, a, I can get lost in uh, Isaiah chapter 40. I'm not even going to get to Isaiah 3.10. Okay, you got it. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Let's just, we'll just stop with that there. God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of your work and your labor of love. Wow, just take that in for a minute. Let's do this in reverse. God is not, well, first of all, let's say, God is not unrighteous. He will remember. See, not to forget means remember. He remembers your work and your labor of love. All right, let's, let's do a little more reversing here. If God did not remember your labor of love or your work, it would be unrighteous of him. But he's not unrighteous. All right, let's go a little further. If if for God, if God would be unrighteous to forget our labor of love to him, how much more would we be unrighteous to forget? How many of you want to be conformed to the image of Christ? That's a plan. That's a plan that God has for your life. And he, he gave that, he, he, pre, he predestined that before the world began. That you and I would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Read about it, Romans 8. So if you want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, you know what you, you, God, God want, I don't know why I keep yeah, going. Break yeah, it breaks up. Yeah. It's our sound system and not me. I thought maybe something else. As I'm getting older, I was losing. Yeah. All right. God is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love. I was in the middle of a really good sentence too. When the sound distracted me. No, it's not your fault. Are you, it isn't your fault, is it? <laughs> Rikishi's up there. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's okay, it's all right. He's all right. When we remember, when we remember God, um, I'm not going to, I'll just go on and forget what I, I'll remember it later. (laughs) Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. You cannot love God first. God loves you first. 
God remembers you. He is ever, you know, in Psalm 8, it says this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. When I consider the stars and the moon and the stars and and the planets which thou hast ordained and created, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou art mindful of him? You know what? That you even give us thought. He knows every hair on your head. Some of you give God a little more trouble in that area than I do. He knows every, not us. There is not an ant that dies that God isn't aware of it. There's not a fly that dies that God's not aware. There's not a sparrow that dies. You know, uh, Ethel Waters was a famous, uh, well, she's a famous blues singer, but she's also sung in church. And Ethel Waters used to be one of the at first singers that, that uh, Billy Graham used in his Billy Graham crusades. And she would be requested to sing this song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. So God's eye is on the sparrow, on the smallest thing. Every detail of your life is ordered. And God has a purpose for your life. All you have to do is give it to him. You know, give him your life. And that purpose is birthed out of a desire to hunger. And if you don't have that desire, God will give you the desire if you desire enough to ask him for it. You know, one of my favorite lines in Jesus Christ Superstar, this is a, how did I, when I was first saved, I was so, so righteous and so holy and so everything. I didn't like movies like Jesus Christ Superstar or Godspell. I like the more traditional ones like Greatest Story Ever Told and Jesus of Nazareth and so forth. But you see, now I watch them and I love them. I guess something, I guess they changed a few things in them. But there's a line in there where Mary Magdalene is singing to, to Jesus after he's asleep. And she's singing... And she says, I don't know how to love him, what to do, how to move him, you know. And then, well, then she goes on to say, I've been changed. Yes, really changed in these past few days. As I see myself, I seem like someone else, you know. And I have, I watch, I watch that Jesus Christ superstar all the time, Godspell all the time, Jesus of Nazareth all the time. Uh, you know, I watch them all and I love them all. And I love that because I will say that to God. I don't, I don't know how to love you. Teach me, Lord, how to love you. Teach me how to love you. And part of that is loving him, praising and worshiping him. You can, no matter how old you get, no matter how uh, influent you get, 
no matter what you look like, no matter how many handicaps you have, you can still love him. You see, you were born to love God. 